Seven painfully common e-commerce SEO mistakes to avoid and how to fix them with Luke Carthy. The In Search SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps skill your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. How many of the most common e-commerce SEO mistakes do you make? That's what we're discussing today with a man who describes himself as right in the centre of CRO, growth and SEO. He's a well-seasoned e-commerce growth consultant and an international speaker who delivers triple-digit growth for e-commerce brands. A warm welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, Luke Carthy. That's a great intro. I appreciate it, David. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, thank you. You deserve it, I'm sure. So you can find Luke over at LukeCarthy.com. So look, today we're discussing seven painfully common e-commerce SEO mistakes to avoid and how to fix them. So starting off with number one, handling variations. Yeah. So for the record, this, you know, handling common mistakes is probably 80% of my work as a, as an e-com consultant, but variations is a really interesting one. So anyone that's on the Shopify platform specifically, this will be a, a pain point potential bugbear. So just to clarify, when we're talking about variations, we're talking about typically the dropdowns that you have on an individual product page, normally kind of reserved for color, size, you know, in apparel and that sort of stuff. But where it kind of gets muddy is where people use variations for things that have real sort of healthy search volume and therefore you can't rank for. So to be clear, Shopify variations are not indexable. So to give you a perfect example, um, dead in client, albeit some time ago, um, lots of people are interested in, in fit, you know, whether it's slim fit or boot cut and plenty of others, which I'm far, you know, I'm not too fashionable to understand all of them, but there's a good few. Now, when people put products on, they might have a, you know, let's say Levi's 501. Then you've got your uh, size, you know, whether that's um, sort of length or waist, and then you've got cuts. Now, lots of people will search for specific cuts, but if you turn that into a variation, you're really kind of cutting yourself off, no pun intended. Um, from lots of sort of search uh, volume. So what happens there is you're in a situation where you're just missing out on a lot of potential customers. And as we know, particularly in the world of e-commerce, the long tail granular specific queries are a heck of a lot more, uh, well, one, easier to rank for, and two, a lot more converting than something like Levi's Photo One or men's jeans, right? So really what kind of the solution for this really is to sort of turn these variations that have a lot of search volume into either product categories or individual products themselves. But that is probably one of the top three common issues that I see with e-com clients with a lot of products. It's just misconfigured variations, you know? And mistake number two is pagination. Yeah, pagination. Good old one. It, it kind of falls into a similar remit as, um, as variations from a technical standpoint. But what we commonly see is, you know, if you've got a category with say seven or eight pages of results, pages two through to eight will canonicalize back to page one. So if you're on Webflow, although I understand it's not inherently a, a, an e-com platform, but I think almost every Webflow site that I've worked on is plagued with this problem. It, although it's not, you know, technically search engines can ignore canonicals and all this sort of good stuff, but best practice is best practice. Pagination URLs should be self-referencing. So page two, should self-canonicalize to page two and so on, rather than canonicalizing everything to page one, which just hinders accessibility and, and findability, et cetera. So common mistake for sure. Taking us up to number three, taxonomy and categorization. 
oh, right, how to distill this in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Lots of e-com clients, right? I see this time and time again, build categories. Now, the way that I like to see a category structure on site is akin to how your supermarket, your local supermarket should be laid out, right? So if you have poorly aligned aisles and if your aisles don't make sense and if they're a difficult to use, it makes it difficult for users, but then also makes it difficult to, to, to attract search traffic. So it's really worthwhile investing, doing keyword research um, and digging into the things that people are searching for and then align your categories to that. So I see a lot of clients who maybe overly use filters. So let's say fragrance, for example, you'll have men's fragrance, women's fragrance, sale, clearance, and very top level categories. But of course, again, as we said before, top level search queries aren't that high converting and are super competitive. So when you think about, uh, say men's fragrance, for example, what about all the subcategories of that? So, you know, what do you know? Certain brands, maybe whether it's designer or kind of at the lower end of the market, there's lots of different things you can jump into, right? Be the toilet um, versus parfum. These are all subcategories that we should create. And a lot of people leave these on the table and it just robs you of one paid traffic when you think about it, because you're missing um, dedicated landing pages. So that's a bonus. But secondly, a lot of low competition, high converting queries as well. So yeah, really, really common issue that I see. So align your categories to what people are searching for. Does this mean that you should add new categories on a regular basis when the search volume appears and also actually remove categories where search volume starts to disappear? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. What I will say is, is to, you know, for, for most people, uh, for most verticals, categories are fairly evergreen, right? So they don't often change unless you're at cutting edge fashion or something that moves a heck of a lot, maybe mobile phones, uh, technology, you know, that sort of stuff. But if you're in fragrance, apparel, something, you know, maybe multivitamins, they are typically evergreen. But as your product catalog expands and gets bigger, and maybe you move into new areas, new products, you consolidate some things, then categories are absolutely critical. But it's it's not just as easy as creating new ones and deleting old ones. Of course, you have to also preserve redirects, make sure your ads are pointing to things that don't exist anymore. But it's easier said than done. But before you launch your site, categories should absolutely be where you spend a heck of a lot of your time when it comes to SEO. Yeah. And mistake number four is site search. Oh gosh, right, site search. I have so many horror stories in this particular space. And and this being being quite frankly, really where a lot of my, my money as a consultant comes from is surfacing some of these real pain points. So I'm going to use one classic example without dropping any names because uh, I don't want to get into trouble. But I used to work for a brand before I turned into a, uh, an independent consultant who sold, you know, 80% of their sales was their own branded products and they worked in the electrical space. Now, what's really interesting is when you search for that particular brand, which again, to remember is 80% of their revenue, the first item that appeared was a 20-ish year old USB cable that they no longer sold followed by a lot of old kind of discontinued products rather than the cutting edge, new in-demand stuff that this particular brand was renowned for. So as you can imagine, when I take this data to the, uh, to the managing director and say, Hey, just to let you know, you get about 30,000 searches a month for your brand at the first item people see is a really basic 99 pence USB cable. How do you feel? You can imagine the reaction wasn't particularly great at this situation. So I was, you know. The point is I was immediately set to fix it, but site search is so often neglected and there's lots of different rules that come into it. 
The problem with these guys is the fact that they had their default uh, sorting order set by H, you know, the oldest product first, which doesn't cut it. Um, we have seasonality to think about. We have stock. Um, we have relevance to think about. Personalization, once you bring that in as well, maybe even margin, depending on what you're playing around in. You know, there's, there's lots of different parameters, but side search by far is one of the biggest levers to both revenue and conversion. Not so much of an SEO thing, but SEO is this global thing of driving revenue. It's one that I couldn't do this, you know, this episode with you without mentioning. It's, it's hugely important. And bringing us up to number five, faceted navigation. Well, faceted, gosh, this is one I can talk about till I'm blue in the face and for hours and hours I end. But um, there's two sides to this. Faceted nav in terms of usability and then faceted nav in terms of SEO. So we'll start with the, the latter, so SEO. When it comes to faceted nav, it can create lots and lots, almost seemingly endless amounts of URLs, different permutations as we, you know, color, size, brand, price ranges, and the list goes on. So when you kind of mash all of these permutations of URLs together, you can quite quickly be in a situation, especially if you sell tens of thousands of products where you've got millions and millions of crawlable URLs which just stretches out search engines in all due respect. It just makes it difficult for them to crawl your site. But more importantly, it actually slows your site down because crawling faceted navigation often isn't cached. So there's just a heck of a lot of server work that's going on, which is slowing it down for people who genuinely want to access, you know, products, your homepage, collections, all that sort of good stuff. So really, there's no hard and fast rule here, but... If you're finding that search engines are spending a lot of time crawling your faceted navigation and it's of low value, then it's absolutely something to take a look at because it's, it's, it's almost certainly dramatically diluting your search performance. Then from a UX perspective, are the filter options that are there, are they helpful? And I see so many sites where it isn't, it's just a bare minimum of, of brand and price. Think about how your customer shops, again, going back to that aisle experience, what are the sort of things that people want to search and refine and drill down by? Because this is your competing differentiator. This makes it easier for people to find your products. This improves your conversion. It improves your ROAS on paid spend. You're just creating an experience that lots of people want to want to take a look at. And this is very profound in areas um, that are quite specialist, like say healthcare, skincare, where you may be looking for active ingredients, particular brands, sizes. Lots to play around with, but lots of people get faceted navigation wrong, which absolutely destroys SEO performance, particularly when it comes to technical SEO. You could talk about this until you're blue in the face. I could ask questions about it until I'm blue in the face, but um, perhaps it's an indication that um, that particular niche subject we need to try and devote a whole episode to in the future. But let's move on to number six, which is forgetting about the user. Yeah, so... This is a really cliche one, actually. As SEOs, myself included, I have to constantly remind myself who I'm do doing this for. And although naturally the client is the one that, you know, pays the bills and pulls the strings, really my client cares about user performance, right? Are they happy? Are they spending money? Are they coming back? Retention, all of that good stuff. So sometimes we can get lost in the technical, you know, technical SEO aspects, but actually what's incredibly important is making sure that it always comes down to what the user wants, what they need, what they expect, what they're getting elsewhere. Is it fast? Is it clean? Do the variations make sense? When you kind of summarize all of these common common issues we're talking about, 
we've got to bring it all the way back down to the user. Is the user happy? So I personally believe it's user experience first and what they expect to see, the sorting order of products, the sorting options that you have available, and then taking what the user wants and needs and, and, and the experience, and then kind of reverse engineering that into SEO. But so many times we, you know, we think about technical SEO in isolation, and that kind of takes precedent over what the user actually wants. But SEO doesn't pay the bills, right? It's the customer that come to the site and spend the money. That really is, is what the client is interested in. And you mentioned sort options a couple of times there as well. That's actually number seven as well. Do you have something to add about sort options? Yes, sort options, gosh, never says This falls into a similar bucket to faceted navigation, right? So simple, you know, your default sorting options is normally like recommended or, or whatever, popularity. And then you have sort by low to high, high to low, A to Z, and all those sort of permutations. Typically, as a hard and fast rule, there's always caveat to this. They shouldn't be accessible to search engines. They just shouldn't because no one's going to be searching for, you know, let's say men's fragrance in pricing order. And if they do, you can be pretty certain that it's not really a commercial keyword, right? It's not something that you want particularly rank for because it's unlikely to result in a sale. So it comes down to what do users care about? And if the user doesn't care about it, it probably shouldn't be accessible to search engines. So it's that kind of blend again of user experience, what they expect, what customers want versus what search engines can access. And there should be a close synergy. There shouldn't be a lot that search engines have access to that users don't care about. And the reason why is because search engines are there for people who want to buy your stuff. They're designed for users. So yeah, I think to kind of summarize everything I've said, if you sell 5,000 products, you have a hundred categories, you crawl the site and you have, you know, 450,000 crawlable URLs, you probably have an issue. <laughs> so <laughs> that normally is, is kind of ties back into one of more of all of the common issues we've spoken about so far. Normally one or more of those, you know. Superb. Let's finish off with the Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says that you can get 80% of your results for 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? All right. Yeah, I, we've, we've been talking about this actually just before the, the, the recording. I've been racking my brain for this. I've got two, um, but I'm going to give you one specifically. And it's weird because it's technically not really SEOs. But I think the number one thing you can do, particularly if you have a large inventory of products, is to really think about the sorting order of your products, both on search results and on category pages. So the reason why this is really important is because when we think about, you know, if we divide an e-commerce site into page templates, your biggest page template by, let's say, unique users is most often your collections category pages, followed by your homepage and then your products. Sometimes there's variations of that, but as a, as a hard fast rule, that kind of works. So. If lots of people are going to category pages, then what's incredibly important is what order you show those products in. So we kind of touched on this already, but because it's such a, you could have one rule set, apply it to all of your listing pages, whether it's search or categories, and have a profound impact on product discoverability, conversion, sales, average order value, all of that good stuff all at once, which interestingly then frees up a lot of the resistance and friction and budgets around SEO for you to then crack on and get some of the technical stuff done. So arguably, it's not really an SEO thing, but it goes down to that whole supermarket experience, right? If you walk down the bread aisle, what do you want to see? Probably bread, right? So it's just making sure that you build something that's for your users and defining your default sorting order, for me, 
uh, and I repeat this time and time again for clients, is the thing that, that honestly has the biggest impact in terms of um, revenue growth and performance. Love that. Um, if you walk down a bread aisle, what do you want to see? Probably bread. I think that's a tweet. I'd like to see someone tweeting that. Luke <laughs> Luke Carthy is who you're looking for to reference that. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Luke Carthy over at LukeCarthy.com. Luke, thanks so much for being on the Inserts SEO podcast. Good pretty good. Thanks again. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at RankRanger.com. <laughs> <laughs>